I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. I'm a former libertarian who now sits comfortably on the left. Hi, I'm Danielle Moody, former educator and recovering lobbyist. But today I'm an unapologetic woke commentator on America's threats to democracy. And I'm producer Jesse Cannon, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with some of the most knowledgeable and entertaining people in politics, media, and beyond. Our goal is to try and make sense of our current crazy world, our new abnormal, and hopefully even make you laugh through the tears. Hello and welcome back to a special bonus episode of The New Abnormal, and we thank you so much for being here. Sergeant Aquilino Ganell is here to talk about his new novel, American Shield, The Immigrant Sergeant Who Defended democracy, all about his experience growing up an immigrant in America, his time in the army, and eventually serving with the Capitol Police on January 6th. Then, journalist Tim Burke joins us to tell us all about the time the FBI raided his house, seized all of his electronics, and how this ties into Fox News and Kanye West anti-Semitism. But first... Let's have some fun. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to the new abnormal Sergeant Akalino Ganell, who is the author of the new book, American Shield. And if his name sounds familiar, it should, as your testimony in January of 2021 sent shockwaves, I think, through the country as you testified about your experience facing down the insurrectionist terrorist mob that would take over the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. Sergeant Gannell, talk to us about why now for your book, American Shield? Why do you think that it is important to have this book, essentially your an expansion of your personal testimony and story on the record now? One of the things that people need to realize is that my book, American Shield, is not just about January 6th. It's about the story of an immigrant like my, uh, myself from the age of as a little kid all the way to age 12 when I immigrated to the United States the struggles and obstacles and adversity that I overcome, trying to learn the language, trying to become a better person, family issues. There's a lot of layers that uh, makes uh, this incredible book worth reading. And then you have the commitment of public servants joining the military, going overseas and defend the country at the United States uh, in the military, being deployed to Iraq. And upon my return, I also returned back to college, finished my degree, graduated, and then I became a police officer at the Capitol where I stayed almost 17 years. And once again, I defended the the United States and the Capitol from the mob. And I think especially it's important now for people to know exactly what I did. And not only myself, but my colleagues as well, because the same person who incited the violence of January 6th and in the courts, and everybody knows who that is, that person is continuing to lead the polls in the Republican field to be the nominee for president again. If he did that, all those things, breaking norms, breaking the law, inciting the, the violence, demonizing immigrants, 
And that was when he was constrained, when, when he had guardrails and uh, had a lot of people mostly watching over him. And he was restrained from doing his dark impulses. Now that he's, you know, unafraid of what, what will happen if he does certain things, now that he learned uh, go around laws and, and manipulate laws and bend it or break it. Also, with the help or the bravery of any uh, Republican to stop him from doing those impulses, now he is going to be a lot worse. Because all he, if you listen to what he has said in the campaign trail, is like run up all the immigrants. I'm going to take. Yep. I'm your ramification. I'm the person who's going to fight for you. But he's not fighting for the American people. He has not put out a platform how he's going to make all the people's lives better. All he's trying to do is being a vindictive person. And that shows every single time that he opens up his mouth. I want to take a step back and talk about your experience as an immigrant in this country from the Dominican Republic. I am a child of immigrants. My family came to the United States from Jamaica in the 1970s. And every family has a different story, has a different way that they were, that they tried to assimilate into American culture in a way to advance and make a better life for their families. Can you talk about what it was like to come here and then make the decision to enroll in the armed forces to essentially protect this country, our democracy, but not be treated in the way that you should have been? As I Writing in the book, American Shield, I mean, it's um, us immigrants, we have this uh, unique perspective that whenever we are in our own country, native country, we hear America the great, America principle, America values, the line of opportunity, everybody being treated equally. I mean, not, you know, saying that that had always been the case, but at least the expectation in the majority of times that is the case. So once you, I learned that as a little kid, that promotion, that advertise, I bought into that and those principles. And then once I got to Brooklyn, I know initially my inclination for joining the military was to get an education, to fulfill, continue my education. But then once 9-11 happened, then that kind of like seemed to me like irrelevant, like my education was no, no, let me get back I want to go overseas. I, I want to avenge what happened to on 9-11. My decisions were, you know what, let me give something back to this country who has given me so much opportunity to a point that once I retired, I continued my education. I became a better person. After I left the military in 2007, um, I find that joining the police officer as a, an extension of my service. So half of my life, I'm 44 now. I spent almost half of my life being a public servant, uh, eight in the military and, and 17 as a police officer. I think when people, you do the right thing, the expectation is that you want to be treated and rewarded for it. Yeah. It had, yeah. has not been the case when I, I, since I spoke out against what happened on January 6, 2021. Since my testimony in July of uh, 2021, a lot of people ridicule me or say that I'm a crybaby. Yes, I was crying because more than fucking 50 people assaulted me simultaneously, one-on-one or as a group. If you were attacked and beat up like we were, our number and everything, I'm sure you fucking would be crying too. 
So people don't don't see that. People don't realize that. That is a moral injury upon himself because I kept yes. my oath. I kept my duty. I did my job. And yet the former president just last, I think about last week, he said the people, the very same writers who attacked me and my colleagues are hostages. And these are people who attack police officers in full uniform, my, including myself in the riot gear. So if they are hostages, if they are patriot, what does that make me? The hostage taker? The murderer? Mm. You know what I mean? So am I the bad guy of the story? No. I know I don't. But the way they are questioning and makes a scene is like, we are the bad guy. And even though they saying that now, especially uh, Republican elected officials, they saying that now with the time difference, you know, two years, almost three years out the separation from that day. But on that day on January 6th, they were running for their lives. And the only reason why they escaped and made it to their home and to a safe house was because action like that myself and my colleagues did to protect them. And yet today they make all kinds of excuses, downplay and even support that the same person who sent them to be the target of an assassination on, on Congress. And that on itself is a moral injury that I cannot understand because mm -hmm. God forbid if I was still working right now at uh, the Capitol and, and looking back in a way, I'm glad I'm not there because if there is something else happening at the Capitol, I'm not only going to have to worry about the people that are, are being threatening us and, and the people right. inside, right. but now I have to worry about do the Republican congressmen and elected officials, do they have my back? Are they going to help me close the door or are they going to strangle me or keep me away from that door from security? And that's scary because I don't trust them anymore. So, Sergeant, you make such a valid, valid point because I think back as a as a person that was viewing that day on television, not in it, but watching it. And even when I watch those videos and I see those members of Congress that were running and I see how they were fearing for their lives and you can look and freeze frame. And I think now about whether or not, like you're saying, given the situation now three years out, if an attack were to happen again, whose side are they on? Do you think that the media has done enough to really make the case to the American people that we don't know whose side these people are truly on. Are they on the side of, of democracy, which obviously they've shown they aren't, but have we made the case? Have we made it clear? And is that the reason, you know, I know that your entire story is American Shield, but one of the important aspects of that is how you fought with your body and your life for democracy. Do you think that it's being made clear that Republicans are not for democracy? To understand they hadn't, they had not. I mean, you have I mentioned in my book a, a couple of passages, you know, you had the same people who on the my day of testimony in front of Congress, they, instead of listening to us, the police officer, these Republican officials, they decided to go and do a press conference in front of the Justice the Department to demand that these political quotation marks political prisoners should be released. These are the same people who were targeting their colleagues, that they were targeting them, that they were assaulting police officers. And now they were like, well, you know, you should release them because they didn't do, they weren't violence. And if you look at, is a disinformation and misinformation 
a strategy that they had willfully chosen to do. Just last week, the new Speaker of the House, uh, Mike Johnson, he just released some some of the tapes, but he didn't timestamp them. He didn't, oh, these are peaceful things. Okay, at what time was that? After we clear everybody else and that we were actually taking everybody else, but he's not showing the where the violence was, where I was, where I almost died, not once, not twice, but multiple times. And he has willfully chosen not to show the footages from the chambers when they themselves were running to safety, when the officer took them and led them to the safe area. Those videos and pictures, they had not released them because they know that there's nothing that they could say to condone what happened. And they know, I know I had the proof. I have videos, pictures, and of my injuries and the medical bills and the trauma. They cherry pick certain things because it fits a narrative. And that's one of the reasons why I chose to write American Shield to tell my story. Because you had certain personalities, especially on Fox News and the far right, that claim that I'm lying. I'm lying about what? About my injuries? I, I, I could care less about a, a medal or a, an interview or a book. I'd rather have my 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 health. I'd rather have my job. I was uh, ascending to even to the rank of lieutenant. And I couldn't even hold that position because of the injuries that I sustained. And again, you have the moral and mental trauma. Again, if this was done by a Black Lives Matter or Latino group, I'm sure that they will hold us accountable for letting those people in, or as they say, that we let them in, or attacking, you know, they, they claim that the border is wide open and there's a, uh, an invasion, but then the same thing happened at the Capitol and they call it peaceful protest or political discourse. You can't have it both ways. Either you have an invasion of the border and an invasion of the Capitol, or a peaceful pro- protest or peaceful, you know, entry into the country. You can't have it both ways. So I, I think the argument in the media also need to uh, hold those uh, accountable for key questioning. What did they do on that day? What who did they talk to? Request the Freedom of Information Act to get their uh, phone records and things like that. There are certain things I can control, but there are, there are certain things I, I I could do, like showing up to court and trying to hold those people accountable, especially those more than 50 people they assaulted me. And I had done that in the past and I'll continue to do that. Just next month, I'll be in court. There, there are last two weeks ago, there was two former military members that attacked uh, me and I gave my testimony. And the disgusting thing is that they had used their military service to tried to get some right. leniency about it. One of them even had was working for the State Department at that time when he chose to take a part into the mob. And, and he was trying to say, well, my PTSD, uh, the other person also, he like, my PTSD led me to war. And, and the lawyer for him was describing all the things that happened to him, all the bad things and going to war. And like, I had my prepared remarks and I told the job, you know what? I'm not even going to read my prepared remarks because I find it uh, disgusting that, and incredibly that this person is using his PTSD in the way that VA and all this stuff, all his obstacles. And I'm like, he described me. That did not compel me to take part in the insurrection. That did not compel me to remove myself from the door, from the tunnel, uh, where I was defending the, the, the Congress people. That's on them. They chose to believe whatever the oil uh, snake oil salesman was selling and they bought it. Yeah. 
The last question that I have for you is about the upcoming election in 2024 and the fact that we have people right now who are saying that they are not going to vote for Joe Biden, that they are angry at this current administration for a host of things. What do you say to those people about the importance of this upcoming election and the fact that democracy is on the line as it was in 2021? As I discussed this in in American Shiva, it's one thing for you to be dissatisfied with certain things. And the other thing is you already seen what happened when you don't show up to to vote. The Hillary Clinton people, they find out the hard way. They took to the street to protest, but, but guess what? It was too late. A lot of people stayed home. A lot of people didn't vote. And that's what led to the former guy, uh, the same guy who mistreated people, the same guy who was trying to shoot peaceful protesters, especially Black Lives Matter and, and Antifa. That was the same guy who's threatening now to run up a lot of immigrants, regardless whether their status is good or not. The same guy who's trying to send the military and the police to campuses to run up people who disagree with him or the policies. The same guy who put kids in cages at the border. On and on and on, people yep. to forget that dissatisfaction, the chaotic way that this person was running the country, they seem to forget a lot of those things. And I hope that regardless of whether you agree with Joe Biden or not, the country is not in, in as a, in the chaos as it was in the past on a daily basis. It was like, what the fuck did this guy just say today? Why, yep. is he yep. Why did this is trending today or right not? And especially the, the Latino community and the black community, you had to realize that this person had passed and has in mind to pass a lot of, in the past, he had produced a lot of policies that are anti-African-American, anti uh, immigrant, anti-Hispanic. And so for me to remind people, it's kind of like, okay, they never lived it, but they did live it. And to me, it's a disingenuous that they seem to forget. Yes, you may not agree with the United States supporting Israel against the attack on Palestine, but guess what? That's a policy issue. If you think the next guy is going to do a lot of anything for you or things better for you, you must be out of your mind because in the last four years he was in office, what did he help you? Nothing. You know, he didn't care whether you got COVID or not. He didn't care whether you had food on your table. Now he's going to tell you everything that you hear. But guess what? You've seen this movie before. You know how it's going to end. And he started his inauguration with American Carnage. Guess what? Yep. That's how he, he ended up with American Carnage at the same place, at the same capital, with us fighting for our lives, fighting for this country. And if you don't think that that's scary enough for you, then wait until it happens and you stay home. If you stay home, then you don't have nobody else to blame but yourself. A hundred percent. Sergeant Ganell, I thank you so much for writing this book, folks. The book is American Shield. That is out now that you should get a copy of and get a copy for your friends, for your family, and heed this message of now is not the time for your protest vote and to stay home. Sergeant Ganell, thank you so much for making the time for The New Abnormal. Really appreciate you. 
Thanks for having me. And uh, the book is also going to be in, uh, available in Spanish next month. It's called Escudo Americano, El Sargento Que Defendió la Democracia. I hope you enjoy my story. It's a life of sacrifice. There's a lot of looking out for other people, not just myself. And once you read it, I think you you will understand where I come from and, and all the sacrifices that I had done for this country. And we're trying to keep it our democracy. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or. I prefer. Don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. You probably remember back in October 2022 when then Fox News's Tucker Carlson aired an interview with Kanye West, followed a few days later by Vice publishing parts of the interview that weren't aired that included Ye making multiple anti-Semitic comments along with other 
absolutely bizarre claims. Flash forward to 6 a.m. on May 8th of this year when the FBI raided the home of Tampa City Councilmember Lynn Hertak and her husband Tim Burke, who used to work for the Daily Beast and Deadspin and now runs Burke Communications, and spent the next 10 hours seizing the couple's electronic equipment despite not charging either of them with a crime. Tim Burke joins me now to explain the connection between these two things and tell us what has happened to him since then. Tim, thanks so much for being here. Oh, absolutely, Andy. So let's start with just some basic, simple facts. So you are the person. You got the unaired portions of the Yay interview and gave them to Vice. And then later you gave some behind-the-scenes footage of Carlson to Media Matters, right? That appears to be what uh, I'm alleged to have done. <laughs> okay. The reality is that I've spent a lot of time in my career tracking down video things, whether it be when the Georgetown basketball team got into a fight with the Chinese military squad in an exhibition game or, oh, all kinds of other things along the way. You know, we, we had to track down video when we made the Netflix documentary about the Manti Teo story that Jack Dickey and I did 10 years ago. There's a lot of this stuff. And most of it is just identifying where things get publicly broadcast, whether they are like a known location or not. And so, you know, I'm always looking for places that might be broadcasting openly things that could be potentially of a newsworthy nature. And certainly when, you know, I found that Fox was airing their live taping of this interview uh, with the artist formerly known as Kanye West, I said, well, okay, that that's potentially newsworthy. You know, we started recording and after the interview, you know, obviously realized that they had cut out all of the dark, dark, horrible anti-Semitic stuff that he had said in the interview. And, and that became its own sort of news story in two ways, that one of the most famous entertainers on the planet is a vicious anti-Semite. And also that, that Fox News would be willing to, instead of make a news story out of that, uh, help cover it up. So this is why the FBI raided your home, right? we think? Or do we know that? Well, that's sort of the, the trouble over the last right. six and a half months has been that officially the government has not put anything in the record other than a search warrant was established for probable cause of violation of the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and some wiretapping statute. They have consistently refused to reveal any details of the affidavit that led to this search warrant and, in fact, to supply us with sufficient information about the process of what's happened since this search. Uh, obviously, as a, as a journalist, I'm protected by both Florida's shield law, which, believe it or not, despite how awful the laws in so many ways are here in this state. We actually have a, a very robust shield law protecting journalists and having our confidential sources or work information be seized by the government or compelled to be returned. But then also the Privacy Protection Act, a, a federal law that ensures that journalists in newsrooms can't be raided without approval from very high, and in some cases, the attorney general themselves, uh, levels of the Department of Justice. And we haven't been given any, any of that information. And the only way that we really know that this is about the Kanye Fox News thing is from information provided by the government to my legal team in the course of us, you know, trying to to figure out what this is all about. Okay, so before we get to what actually transpired or what has transpired since then, tell me what exactly did they take from you during this raid? 
Well, my newsroom is this sort of what we would call down here a mother-in-law suite. It's an accessory dwelling behind our house, and it's just kind of a, a big room. It's the kitchen and a, and a bathroom. And it's been my studio and newsroom for the past, gosh, I guess it's... Uh, eight years now that I've been in here, and there's there's just a bunch of a bunch of computers, file servers, web servers, and a lot of things that capture video. And on the day that they came in here, they took essentially everything. Wow. They left the monitors, and we're saying like they took my iPhone four. <laughs> Because it was like sitting on the desk because I had just posed to them in a in a, like a picture for Instagram just out of my pride that it still worked. <laughs> right. And so it was, it was like sitting there and they, they took that and it took them a few months to return that. They took a bunch of other old phones, some of which have been returned. I haven't gotten my phone back or my previous phone, the iPhone 7 that I used up until the end of last year. I just finally replaced my phone with a new iPhone 14 and then they took it. So they took those things. They took reporting notebooks. They took any spare hard drives they saw sitting around and they took every computer in sight. And over time, the oldest of all of those things have been returned. So I do have, let's see, what do I have? I have a 2009 MacBook Pro. Oh, God. I have a 2010 MacBook Air. And like I said, they returned my wife's computer and uh, they, they they took a little mini pc that i'd been using as a station and uh, i had to get that back and a few other really you know five six year old backup drives so you gotta be careful because it's like saying you know they took all this stuff and they haven't returned anything the reality is that there's a lot of back and forth going on on what they have really returned and in what condition that's been gotcha they have been you know asking me repeatedly to provide them with blank hard drives so that they can provide me with copies of all of the stuff that they took. And I've been doing that for months with this this back and forth. And then, oh, you know, please wipe one of those drives and bring it back to us, not realizing, I guess, or, or knowing and not caring that you took all of the storage that was in this office. Right. And again, I work with video and archiving. So we're talking like close to 90 or 100 terabytes of storage that were seized, of which I think four terabytes physical have been returned. So I don't have anywhere to copy all of this stuff of mine that you're returning to me. And even then, it's really difficult to ascertain what's been returned because the file date, modification date, and all that have all been changed. Sometimes they're changed in bizarre ways, like a folder of download stuff of things that I was working on about the Ukraine-Russia war was backdated to the year 2020 before the war had started, right? Like there's a map showing, you know, th the past year territory taken in Ukraine and it's dated like whatever, April 2020. So, and if you're somebody like me and you do all of your work based on dates, you know that this is when this thing happened. And so the date of those files is really essential to, to locating it and being able to reference it. And all the dates are are modified or things get returned over, you know, different drive volumes and things like that. It's, it's essentially impossible. Uh, so, you know, the government might say, well, we, we've given him back, you know, everything, but they haven't really given me back everything. A lot of it has been based on what date things were uploaded. And sometimes it's a matter of like me knowing, oh, OK, like I bought this Steely Dan album in like July last year. And so if I have that album in the stuff they returned me, then I know that stuff from that era has been returned. I have to do that kind of mental gymnastics. And again, it's all on a bunch of hard drives that I don't have the computers 
which they go, right? So, so much of my time is spent just going through all this stuff to try to itemize what has been returned, if it's usable or not. And it really hasn't. Like if you, if you take somebody's car, but then you, you know, give them back a car stereo, but it's not the car stereo that goes to that car and you need a car to use it, you haven't really gotten anything back. Right. No, that's perfectly put. Okay. So let's get to what actually went down here. Explain how you were able to get this footage. You say that you or your attorneys say that you neither hacked anything nor had anything leaked to you. I assume the hacking would be a crime. I'm not sure why something being leaked to you would be a crime on your end. But you say neither of those things even apply. So how were you able to get this video? So there's a service that has largely replaced like satellite trucks and microwave trucks for doing transmitting of remote broadcasts to studios. And that service uses, I'm not sure it's IP based or some other transport protocol, but what I discover is that this outlet, this vendor that is used by Fox News and lots of other organizations, this vendor was broadcasting a preview version of every single stream that was live on a publicly available location. And that, you know, by changing the numbers and scanning through, you could see, you know, what was what was being broadcast from any specific location at any time. And, and many of those were related to Fox News, including much of uh, Tucker Carlson, because Tucker Carlson, of course, stopped broadcasting from Fox Studios after they had been doing his show either from Florida or from his cabin in Maine ever since then, actually, probably for quite some time before that. So those cameras you know, were live and, and streaming to whoever, you know, knew the URL or could figure out the URL all the time. And it's just a matter of if you found it and, you know, thought to be recording it and, you know, finding those things, whether it be a place where, you know, Russian broadcasts of American sports are streaming from or, you know, other International. I did a lot of this when war first broke out uh, in Ukraine and identifying where all the Ukrainian television stations could be found streaming on the open Internet and recording all of that. It's what I do. It's it's what I help clients in newsrooms with is, you know, I, I have a client who really wants to focus on U.S. Senate actions in the Midwest. So we want to know, you know, every place that uh, Amy Klobuchar is going to be speaking or um, Ron Johnson or whoever. And so, you know, we find the static URLs for where the various Senate committees broadcast from with the U.S. Senate or local TV stations in the markets in those cities and where they have all their their live streams from. That's just what I do. It's the sort of niche that I carve out for myself. And we've successfully launched a number of new news organizations on the basis of that. And I'm, I'm proud of the work that we've done. And this is really just sort of, you know, I think uh, in in line with that and specifically for my own, you know, reporting, my own work and on maintaining the presence that I had on what was used to be known as, as Twitter. And that's the kind of heartbreaking aspect of all this is, you know, they seized my phone, which meant that all of my two-factor authentication and they seized my computers and everything, any backup codes that I had, I, I couldn't get on Twitter for, gosh, I guess two months, right? Uh, the only service I could be on was was Blue Sky because that was the only service that didn't have a two-factor authentication right. built in. And so I was able to log into that. And by the time I finally got 
access to my phone. The, the FBI gave me access to my phone for like two minutes so that I could transfer my authenticator app codes to a, a different device. And by the time that I got back on Twitter, like it had been killed. Elon Musk had killed it. And my ability to take my audience of people who follow me for that news coverage and really get them to a different platform, that opportunity had, had kind of been lost. Okay. So you got this information. You're kind of like Kelso in the movie Heat. Neil McCauley asks him, how do you get this information? And he says, this stuff just flies through the air. They send this information, you know. I made that exact reference to my lawyer oh, when I was okay. first trying to explain it. I, I made the heat reference, yeah. Yeah. So that's you. So somehow you end up getting, well, we can't even say you've been charged with a crime because you haven't been charged with a crime right now, right? This investigation is still ongoing. Obviously, you and your attorney, Mark Rash, have been in contact with the Justice Department. What did they tell you? They don't tell us much. Almost all of our communications are with regard to document production and returning the things that they, you know, we insist that they should never have taken. I mean, it took four months, five months for me to get these reporting notebooks back. And, you know, those things weren't even listed and, and aren't even in any way relevant to the search warrant. And those notebooks contain, you know, memorializations of my conversations with confidential sources going back to 2016 or 2017. Wow. There's some pretty sensitive stuff that they sorted through and should never have taken in the first place and before I could get them back. So that's what like so much of this has been about. So, you know, we have we have legal stuff going on at a couple of different angles because, you know, Mark is Mark is my outside attorney working out of Bethesda. I have my local attorney, Michael Maddox, who is is dealing with things at the local level directly with the prosecutor. You know, we're looking at hopefully having on a new appellate attorney just for our appeal to the 11th Circuit of our Rule 41 motion for the return of my equipment, while at the same time, we're filing all these back and forth motions about the document production. You're right. I haven't been charged with anything and they haven't even identified that they're going to attempt to charge me with anything. And yet I have spent or am indebted to an obscene degree yeah. with a legal team that's working tirelessly for me because of all of the stuff that we've been put through as a, as a result of this seizure and, and a seizure that we maintain is not legal because of my status as a, as a journalist and that this material should have been subpoenaed. There should have been a, like, we haven't even got a hearing, right? It's been six months since the entire newsroom was seized and we haven't even gotten to see a judge about it. And it's in other court circuits, like the sixth or seventh or eighth, you know, they've made decisions that have said the government can't seize things. People need to do their jobs without a hearing. Or in the case of an incredible, you would never believe who, you know, hopefully one of the heroes in my case is going to be in terms of uh, getting my, my, my stuff back. Mike Lindell, the pillow man, recently won his suit to have his materials and phone and computers that had been seized to get those returned. And he has been charged with a crime. Right. right. I'm like, so six and a half months out, you know, it's like a regular part of your life at this point. The first couple weeks, it was in a daze and just, you know, I was sure that this was going to be over quickly because they said, oh, you know, this is this is what this is about. And I said, well, OK, yeah, none of this, none of these things that you say were criminal or criminal. There's no crime here. I didn't break any laws. Then you start getting the kind of paranoia setting in. If the government had access to everything you've ever done on a computer for the last 20 years, you know, how many MP3s are they going to ask you, do you own the CD to? How many of your, you know, like login, right. your, your Netflix, are they going to look, you know, are they going to demand a receipt for your, your Netflix login? 
Oh my God. And it, it sort of feels like that's the degree to which we, we have gotten with this. So before I let you go, I want to mention that a coalition of over 50 journalism organizations, civil rights groups, First Amendment groups, et cetera, including the ACLU, Freedom of the Press Foundation, Reporters Without Borders, have sent a letter to the Justice Department demanding transparency and accountability for the raid of your home and for the investigation that you are under right now. I imagine that might be small comfort for having your life turned up side down, but at least you know you have some support. And you also, you have a legal defense fund that people can contribute to? Right. I'm incredibly grateful for all those organizations. And, and I do want to point out, it's not just, you know, nonprofits and groups that are dedicated to supporting press freedom rights or civil liberties. It's the three companies that own the CBS, ABC and NBC stations here in my town of Tampa, you know, they signed on the newspapers, uh, news organizations recognizing that this is a challenge to if we don't stand up to this, then it means that the government can raid any journalist's home, take their work product, take their confidential source communications and hold on to it indefinitely. And that's like a really scary thing. It ought to be scary for, for anybody, not just who's in journalism, but you know who cares about truth getting out to the public. And so a neighbor who has experience with these things has created a, a not-for-profit corporation and, and there's a bank accountant to help get my lawyers paid. It is uh, timburklegalfund.org. And they try to update it with whatever news that we do have uh, with the regard to the status of my case or stories that have been run. We'll probably put this podcast up on there. You can send donations through Cash App or Venmo or PayPal, or you can send checks and you can do it anonymously. I really appreciate the help that people are, are giving. It's just astonishing how much, you know, I have an incredible legal team, but it is all encompassing. It is taking up all of our lives just to do all of these filings and, and try to get our story in front of the one person who, you know, can can set this right. And so we're just going to keep working on getting there because this is like beyond whatever punishment I could face for committing, allegedly committing some crime. This is about making sure that we don't allow the government to interfere in, in people who are doing journalism. And right now that's happening. You know, I I was literally in the middle of working on a, a very big and, and relevant story when all of those materials were seized and they haven't been returned yet. And that's the very, you know, definition of prior restraint. And we just can't allow that to happen. Absolutely. Tim, I hope that there's some kind of speedy and satisfactory resolution to this and that you are able to get your life back. Tim Burke, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Andy. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoy checking out this episode of The New Abnormal. We're back every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend and keep the conversation going. This podcast is a Daily Beast production with production by Jesse Cannon and Seamus Calder. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.